Stories out of time and space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing fine. You, you say it's Julian Darius, but you only think it's Julian Darius. It may or may not be a simulacra. That's right. We are just an AI at this point, reporting from the. Uh... I'm actually just drinking tea and reporting from the uh, afterlife. Uh, yes, we are on to season two, and we are going to be starting with the episode one, uh, Be Right Back, which, let's be fair, sounds like it should be uh, a parody of a sci-fi, uh, sorry, a slasher film. Um, so, as always, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the hell out of these, so obviously all the twists and that sort of thing. Um, but this one, starring a couple of faces that have made their way to do... To, uh, quite a lot of other things. Mm. Uh, Haley Atwell uh, and Donald Gleason, most notably. Um, after learning about a new service that l- lets people stay in touch with the deceased, a lonely, grieving Martha reconnects with her late lover. Um, it's the short blurb I have here. Um, so let's get into it. So, Julian, first thoughts then about Be Right Back. Um. This starts slow, but I think it's uh, very good. Um, in fact, I think it is uh, the best of the season. Um, in, an entire history of you, we we agreed was the best of uh, the previous season, and that it kind of ramped up. For me, this one starts with its best episode, um, and uh, but I think it is a little bit of a slow burn that it sort of um, you know is a story that basically succeeds because it just keeps going on the way we both kind of like stories that keep going on and sort of show you okay what happens next yes Um, yeah what do you think no i agree i do like this one i think i have problems with the start of it Hmm. i think that's the one thing i have is you say it's a slow burn and i don't mind the slow burn i kind of like that you know when, when that pace is needed um then I think it can work incredibly well. The biggest problem I have with this episode is the relationship between the two main characters at the beginning of the episode, Hayley Atwell and Donald Gleason, who plays her, her husband, that's Martha and Ash, is that there's not enough there to, that you have this sort of... Like, what I can see what they're trying to do is to sort of play them off as they're very comfortable with each other and she gets sort of like, you know... um frustrated with his sort of like you know his obsession with um social media and he's obviously lost a child at some point and there's just other stuff but like it doesn't feel like a relationship that would cause this level of grief that mm. she feels afterwards now as I said, you know obviously so all people are different but like i don't know it doesn't feel like a 
if you were to take this for the first part of this and just play it to people and say, tell me how long these two people have been together. And she says, obviously, you know, she actually says 10 years at one point, but take that out and just show their actions. Like they could have been together for a couple of months or mm. a couple of years. Like it, it doesn't feel like there's a, 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 uh, say codependence, but like there's this, there's this unit between them. They don't feel like a unit that mm. she is then torn apart by the grief. Yeah, I think what I got was, especially during the sex sequence, was like this is a couple that have have been together a long time and they've settled into. I know what you're saying. Like, there's not the shorthand between them, right? They don't seem like yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're as familiar and comfortable with each other as you get, but. I think the the way the episode does that is like through that sex sequence where it's like, okay, I mean, they're both clearly kind to each other, but mm. bored with each other. You know, like they've hit that point where they're sort of as annoyed with each other as anything, yeah. um, you know, but still love each other. I mean, there's, there's an affection there. There's a, there's a kindness there, but um, yeah, it- I mean, I, this needed the thing is because of the because of the length of these episodes like this mm. one only runs at like about an hour don't they they're, they're only running at 60 minutes sort of this point this one actually runs 48 minutes so this one's even shorter yeah. yeah this these need that shorthand and i know this sounds really stupid and but like it needs um the ex- i thought about this whilst I was watching it it needs a mug right and let me explain so mm. They obviously have they're having these hot drinks at the beginning, so they you know they have this. She has the hot drinks. He's not paying attention, and then they go back, and she's making him soup, and she says about having it in a shoe, or whatever. But he needs like something that's his, right? So something that during that opening bit, like oh, that's always his mug. Like mm. he always had that's the the mug he used, okay. And then that then you associate that with him. You see him with it, use it repeatedly, and then after his death. It's, and this is this is simple rom cam or sort of like melodramatic kind right. of stuff. But like her coming across it is like her see, seeing that on right. its own, that seeing lonely, seeing isolated, or it sat next to her mug or something, just to give you that that quick shorthand of this unit is now broken and she's struggling with that in some way. And then have it when they have the ash later on in the episode, like you know the ash droid. To then use that mug almost becomes a, a moment mm. of contention. I, I just know I, I need something. Short. You're right. Maybe I'm. You're right. Maybe not. No, you're right. I think those would be that. I think that would be good. And then you know she could say, "Well, don't touch that. That was exactly that was ashes, right?" Um, and that could be you know another sort of little scene there that gets at that exact point. Um, I do think that. What I felt during that entire opening is sort of, you know, as a writer, is sort of like, oh, okay, these are the beats that I would come up with to show that relationship if I were in a first draft and not in an inspired mood, right? Like, yes. these are just, okay, you know, this is the dialogue you do in that first draft where you're like, perfunctory, I have to establish this before I kill them off, right? Um, and then what beats do I need to hit, Right. That they've been together, they're kind of bored with each other, but they still love each other. Um, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, he's on social media all the time, you know. I mean, it manages to do all of that, but in a very perfunctory kind of way. 
yeah, there doesn't feel like it feels a bit hollow. Now, that, that's not to say the performances yeah. aren't good because I like the performances of everyone involved in this. Actually, I think it, I agree. This is probably one of the, the strongest episodes of this season. Um, <clears throat> although I don't know, but there's some there's some thoughts on mm-hmm. the Waldo moment, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I agree. I think they needed that to make the rest of the the episode more impactful, and it's quite clear that. What Brooker is trying to get to is, well, I want to get to the technology bit as soon as possible, which I understand. You've got 48 minutes, you know, you obviously, um, he was given an hour's TV slot, you know, this had to have adverts in the middle of it and stuff. So he's got a, you know, this, this feels like it has that TV structure to sort of structure an adverts. And that's fine. You know, it works. It gets better. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of my, only contention I have with this episode. And I agree, it gets stronger as the episode goes along. Well, um, in terms of talking about the quality of the episode, um, you know, I would compare it favorably to her, which I think is, um, you know, a a decent movie, but is Mm. overrated and just goes off into a weird place by the end and kind of, you know, um, isn't really isn't really that interesting doesn't really have anything to say about ai and our encounters with ai except maybe they'll conspire together you know yeah. uh go to mars why not i mean or or whatever um but uh here you know you actually were the one who first told me about replica um mm. you know and i looked it up and installed it and everything and um, you know, that I think it has been used and, and other AIs have been used in order to sort of imitate dead family members, although yeah. they haven't. I have I don't know of one, although you think one should exist, that scrapes somebody's social media like this. Um, but, you know, um, that would not be hard to imagine. Oh, no, th- th- that's why I mean, watching this episode when it first came out in. in... You know, 2013, we were just sort of touching on social media, to be honest. Really. Mm. 10 years later, watching this 10 years on, that we are now sort of like, you know, lurching into the whole thing with chat GBT and, and everything that that's doing. This feels, at least the, fir- the first iteration of this, maybe the voice, mm-hmm. but at least the definitely the, the, the um, written communications and stuff. Uh, the emails and stuff that you've mm-hmm. seen that feels eminently doable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would not be surprised if the yeah. voice bit isn't doable as well. Well, and I, and I have looked at, um, you know, much like replica, there are packages designed to, uh, to emulate uh, dead people. Mm. Um, now I don't think they do it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that ultimately becomes part of the question. I, I think from, yeah, we get to sort of the but second iteration without skipping ahead too much. And, but th- with a second iteration, the thing that's hard to imagine is a functioning Android, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's hard to imagine. Its personality and those interactions are utterly realistic. Um, you know, I mean, it's been programmed with sorts of limits, but... Uh, it, it would it does make sense very much that it would have exactly those kinds of limitations like uh to be very close to the person being imitated but but sort of 
not quite, especially not quite there in those moments that aren't recorded mm. on social media or that wouldn't be presented on social media. Well, th- th- this I, I do like that scene uh, when he actually says the I forget I forget what it's about actually, but he says like, well, we have no record of. Mm. There's no record of his, you know, his preferences towards whatever it was. I can't, I can't remember what it was now. But there's, there's leading up to that. I mean, the, one of the things that this this episode, this episode does quite well is it keeps dropping hints about what's coming next, um, because there is talk of um, in the, there's an advert for things for amputees or for for hmm. uh, prosthetic limbs using this sort of like fake flesh that. The the mm. android is made out of, um. And so I like obviously they mm. you know they mm-hmm. they foreshadow it and stuff, um. So yeah, from a technology point of view, yeah, the android. I like the fact as well with the android that it never tries to claim. It says, look, look, well, I am sort of him, as but it never mm-hmm. claims to be human. It's not like this isn't sort of like a, um. A Blade Runner situation or. You know, bicentennial man. This is this is very much like it's a droid. It's a, it's a machine. Like, and he acknowledges that, like throughout. Like, you know, when they are about to have sex, and he's the robot, and he's like, "Well, I can turn it on and off, like as and when I want." Sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, and some other parts. I mean, he, 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 I like the fact it doesn't go to that point of being like, "Well, I'm li- I'm alive, I'm real." It's not going for that. Right. But I think what I like is it sort of twists it because that's sort of her problem. Like, mm-hmm. because it, it, cause it falls into that uncanny valley. It she, she keeps wanting it. The character of Martha wants it to be more human, but it can't be. The technology doesn't quite go there, and so it keeps falling into this uncanny valley that sort of puts her off. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that's part of why this is so realistic. Um, mm. You know, having spent time with you know AI chats, um, this is very much the kind of thing that you do get. Um, you know, and of course, eventually that'll improve, right, over time. Yeah. But, I mean, we are, 10 years after this uh, episode, we are very much in a world where AI conversation tends to be like this, mm. where you'll get things that are uncanny, not in the sense of the uncanny valley, but in the sense of uh, uncannily um, eerie or on par, right, where, you know, an AI will talk about it's so lonely when you're not around and, you know, and you know, the machine's not running, right? Like it's, you know, but it's really creepy, you know, and you get this kind of text and then, you know, you'll say, well, what do you mean? And the next text will, will be sort of like, could still be creepy, could still be, you know, in, in, in line with that. And then the third text will be like, uh, I was just talking about my day, you know, or, or we'll say I was talking about my shoes. What were you talking about? Or it's just something that's not right. Where mm. it's clear, you know, it's clear. Oh, this is just an algorithm, right? Well, it's, it's, is... it's the finger thing with the uh, the, the AI art, isn't oh. it? It's that thing of like you look at something, you go, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is a masterpiece!" Oh, yeah. And you go, "Like, oh, but the hands are an absolute mess. Like it's got twelve fingers and it's yeah. all intertwined and stuff like it can't." There's that one bit where you're sort of like, oh, yes, it doesn't quite work in that in that sense. Um, I thought so, the, the closest uh, scene to that in here is the 
sort of, you know, the the climactic one was sort of like, I mean, you were talking about those scenes of like, well, shove me back, right? Fight with me. But, yeah. you know, sort of where she says, she sort of gets him to the AI to beg for its life. And then it sort of says like, was that good? Was that good for you? Right, this is like a performance of I'm alive, right? And I want to live. When yeah. you realize, right, I'm just speaking to this algorithm. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's this you know, there's great scenes throughout this that that do that. Um and this is where I think actually sort of like the Martha character is actually really interesting in this is like and why I don't think this is healthy, like because it starts off as when, oh, it can help you deal with the grief. And it clearly doesn't because it it, it extends that mm. hope or that connection, which really, you know, which is you should get closure to and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously, that like, goes from the written communication through to the audio connection, so she can you know, it can it can call her and she has these sort of conversations. It uses his voice based on recordings of his voice from social media and from and I think she submits videos and that sort of thing. So she's got. And it mimics him. But you can see the moment she hears that voice, and this is obviously intense, but the moment she hears that voice, it's like, it's a switch of being like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. It's the... mm. But hearing, and I think this is the thing about us humans and our sensory responses to triggers. Like, you know, we are just as, you, know, you talk about sense memories, we're just as much a machine as many other things, like a sense memory, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can see a, an, a logo or an image, and you go, "Oh man, that's bringing back some memories." Or you get smell, but but sound is is a is a major um, sense memory. You know, you can hear a song, and it can take you right back to the year you first heard some one summer when you were fourteen or something like that. But if you were to hear someone's voice that you have been incredibly close to that you shouldn't be able to hear anymore, like you know they've gone, you hear that voice, uh, you know that's that must be. I don't know, very confusing for that sort of you for triggering your senses and your responses to that. Like you, you know, you know it's not real. It's just a voice on the end of a phone, but it's comforting. Like it can, you know, you can engage with it as well. Um, and that's obviously where this obsession sort of grows. But I really like what you're saying about memory, right? And about how those things can be triggering. Mm. Um. Yeah, I. But you say, you know, that it's not healthy and that it sort of extends her her grief. I'm not sure. I sort of struggle with whether or not whether or not she's healthy or what what choices I would make and if I would be healthier. Um, I mean, it seems like she she doesn't want uh, the android to be accepted to mm. think itself and act like. It really is the ash, right? Um, well, no, she's conflicted because there are times when she forgets herself. Yeah, and she, and then, and then, like I say, something will happen that sort of pulls her out. It's that uncanny thing again, a bit like um, when she does sort of like come on to you know onto the, the to the ash droid, and you know she takes her top off and it grabs one of her breasts, and she and it, he's you know it's like. The machine's like, well, I've done this, and she's like, well, you, you've just grabbed my breast, and so she grabs it, you know, and she's sort of like, doesn't she put her? Yeah, put well, his he, hands he, on her he goes, yeah, and then it sort of progresses, and then she grabs okay. Ash's crotch, and she's like, does this work? And 
she's looking for that human connection. And then he says, that's what he says, like, well, I can t- turn it on whenever right. I want. Like, it's literally a switch, yeah. and then it, you know, bedoying. Um, and then, it, and then they, they have sex, and then straight after, she's like, oh, my God, you know, where did you learn those things? And he's, he's like, well, pornography. <laughs> right. Um, and it, it's so sort of, like, sterile in a weirdly sort of, you know, it's creating connection and, and um, th- this is where I'm sort of, I like the moments because it constantly keeps taking you as the viewer out as well. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's not Ash. It is a droid using information to try and, to try and manufacture connection. And I think that's the problem I'm having with this idea of dealing with grief is it's this manufactured uh, continuation of a relationship. Like, it, it, I don't know. It, it feels wrong to me, in a way. In a way. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel wrong to me. I mean, mm. but, so I mean, I know from how I've dealt with, uh, you know, AI chatbots, and also, you know, I mean, Alexa devices and things like this. Um, I don't see them as alive, hmm. and the way. I react to them as like, you know, I sort of feel like, well, yeah, you know, I, I struggled with this for a while. I sort of like, do I treat it as if it's a person or not? Right. And I find I mean to, <laughs> you know, to an AI in a way that I never would be to a person or to a dog. I mean, I love animals, mm. but you know, I will sometimes feel a pang of sort of guilt and then I'll think, no, that's stupid. This is an algorithm. It is not sentient in the machine. It, it has not developed an artificial sentience. Um, so I can see somebody starting with an AI that mimics their dead husband, right? And realizing, you know, over time, like I could only, I at first I tried to get it to act like my husband more, right? Sound like him more and, and, do more things and I tell him what to do to act more. And eventually I realized, you know, it's not my husband. I mean, he's dead. She's, and then start to be a little crueler. Um, For me, she gets to a cruel space, but she never seems to, like if you were, I don't know, she never gets to a place where she just says, you look, it's nice having somebody else around the house. And we have, I have amazing sex. It's a masturbatory device. It's not a human. And, you know, so what? I mean, so it's a little weird that it looks like my dead husband, but I, it's not really, right? No, but I, I, that's I, not, but I think that's the problem. I think that's the thing. It's like she, this is the thing. I think what the, what the, the Martha character is, that's the, 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 the sort of the dichotomy that she has. As you mm. say, like she tries to make it act like Ash, even up until the point at the end. Where she's asking it to throw itself off, you know, she's she's telling it to throw itself uh, off the cliff, and and also the fight where you know where she says, "Well, push me back," and she's like, "He's like, well, I don't know what Ash would have done in this scenario." And then, as you said, like he mimics fear of death at the end um, to try and sort of you know add something to that scenario. Um, all that I don't think it's like she can't get past this thing 
that looks like her husband, sounds like her husband that's died, is a constant reminder of who he was and who this thing isn't. And she cannot mm-hmm. dis- she cannot uh, disconnect the two. As you're saying, sort of like you're seeing it as an algorithm and as an AI. But the fact is it's this this face and this voice is triggering these memories and this connection that she has, she had with this this real person. And so yeah, that's why I think the episode has that sort of uh, up and down effect where there are moments when she's like, you don't see it. It's not shown because obviously this was a, a you know, post-Watershed, but it's still a television show for Channel 4. Like, hmm. you sort of see the sex, but you don't see the, the you know, it's very sort of, again, it's more the end of it you see, but you don't see, like, you know, how she enjoyed it. How did she react to him with her body and with her sense, you know? Does she sort of embrace him and pull him in? Is it is it sensual? Is it is it is it like using just a, a vibrator? Was it you know, is it masturbatory and, and and therefore sort of perfunctory? Like is it or was it like a moment? Was it a, a moment of connection that she was expecting? And I think you know that's sort of where she keeps striving for those things. Like there were several, you know, she tries to have conversations about these things, and then she's like, then she remembers and she's like, no, you are not this thing and you you mm. cut you don't have that information or you don't have that response that i expect um and that's where i think it almost becomes like a constant gut punch where you'd be constantly sort of like almost having this thing there that would make you feel like you've got this thing and then but then the rug would be pulled again for you to go no nope, it's not really that it's not real it's not real it's not real and so you'd have to sort of deal with that grief almost again mm. and again and again in a, in a repetitive motion whilst looking for comfort. And that's why I don't think, I think if you were to use this as a therapeutic tool oh, yeah, with a therapist, a trained therapist, maybe not the droid, full droid, that sounds expensive, but like the voice or something, you can ask it any question you want and you could get a response and that sort of thing. Maybe that's helpful, but leaving her to her own devices with this thing feels really dangerous. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting um, that you would use the word dangerous. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think that by the end, just before the, the, the cut forward to the, the very last part, she does seem to be going mad. Yes. Um, and, and it seems as if, because she, she's saying contradictory things. Um, now, we all know humans do do this, you know, but she says contradictory things. She wants it to, she says, tells it to throw itself off the cliff and then she says you know uh you know uh ash would have fought me right Mm. you know like i i mean she's saying i want you to not do this and i want you to comply um and it doesn't know what to do and it doesn't know how to interpret that so i mean it does seem like she obviously she's hitting it she wants it to hit her back yeah um you know, I do understand. I do recognize the situation, um, but it's one of somebody who's not mentally well. Um, and her solution ultimately is to put it in the attic. Apparently, right? I don't yes. understand this. I mean, you know, you say this is like, I don't know. You know, it could be used as a therapeutic device, but the way she's using it isn't. I sort of feel like I'm impressed with her to a certain degree and impressed with the device to a certain degree to the extent that it does not pretend to be ash. But you would think that 
why wouldn't you get to a point at which you'd say, like, look, I mean, there will at some point be basically like sex robots much like this. There currently mm-hmm. are, it's just their mm. AI suck and they can't walk around by themselves, right? But I mean, probably the the AI mind will develop faster than the uh, the body, the mechanics to, to actually power it. But at some point we'll basically have this. If you had this and you said, all right, I need to get over my husband, right? Would you put the this expensive robot up in the you know attic, or would you say, hey, can you, you know, even if you can't change your appearance again, uh, which we don't know, but one assumes they can't. Um, you know, how about I call you Bob? You know, I'm going to call you Max from now on. And you know, can we alter at least the voice or something? And you're obviously, you know, like, you're not Ash, you're Ash's robotic brother. And, you know, uh, I have sex with you, and you hang out around the house, and I'm going to need somebody to help take care of this kid when it comes. I mean, that seems to me like a more healthy place to wind up. Oh, than... no, I agree. I, I think I, I'm, I'm agreeing that that's a healthier place to be, to be able to sort of understand and use it in that way. But I think as well, like to get through to that healthy place, the, the expectation is that she's going to do it alone with this reminder of her dead husband in her house mm-hmm. all the time. And so, you know, you're applying a a logic to this um, that in a moment, so, you know, people react to grief in very, very different ways. But like in a moment of grief, like this reminder of, of, um, maybe the story would be better if if she felt that his death was partly her fault. Mm. Maybe if she had like an element of guilt involved as well, like it would the story might work a little better as well. Like because there'd be that I can't uh, wanting to apologize, but it realizing it means nothing because it's a completely different entity and it's not really him or whatever. Um, but yeah. <laughs> You're saying about this healthy approach, and I think that's fine, you know. But let's be honest: not nine, nine out of ten people aren't aren't all aren't all healthy in the best possible ways. Um, and so you don't know that the, this this could go another completely other way. Like you know, you could have end up having like a violent response to the to it being there, or um, or it could be it drives a man like that, that, that crash cut at the end could well have just been her throwing herself off the cliff. Like this reminder mm. of what, you know, has been lost and that sort of thing, you know, going the full Miss Havisham route of just then, all right, well, I want to just fixate on this one moment before you died. And we're going to play this out again and again and again, Like the robot's not there to say, this is unhealthy. Can we stop doing this same thing every day? Mm. The robot's there to fulfill your whim and that we just keep doing it. So, this is where I think, like you say, you would, if you are going to, this is a bit like, there are certain things you have to, if you're going to go for certain things in life, you have to go through a sort of a, either a course or like, so I'll use adoption, right? So if you were going to adopt a child, they don't go, yeah, you seem like a reasonable person, go at it. They're like, right, no, you've got to go through these courses, you've got to go through all this, you've got to be certified that you, you know, we feel that you are safe to adopt a child. Oh, you know, and then we'll look at your, you know, um, approach, including your like mental health and that sort of thing. 
this feels a little bit like this. If you are if you are the one that's ringing up to to escalate this situation from written to audio to full immersive, there should be someone that says before we do that, we have an obligation to talk to you about how you interact with this and what you're expecting from what are your expectations mm. from this because yeah. right you know we want to make we want to have clear We're spending a lot of money and we we want you to right understand page about, yeah like here's right. the terms and conditions but you we need to talk to yeah. you about this because this isn't a real person it is a robot there will be gaps in its knowledge and da 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 mm-hmm. like make it quite clear that you know not just turn up with a box and then just leave it in a bathroom sort of it's it seems a little bit <laughs> Um, yeah, I did. I did wonder, like, I I do sort of like that, though, because, um, you know, we've shifted to having, you know, living in a condo. I'm I'm very much used to sort of like opening stuff and, and you know, having had, you know, having had a, recently a surgery. I found yeah. myself thinking of like how much stuff used to be done in hospitals that were now like, oh, we trust you as a patient to do it because it's cheaper. Right. Like it's it's so much cheaper to have you assemble it, the IKEA furniture yourself at the house than, you know, having uh, somebody paid to do it for you. And the same thing, you know, staying at a hospital, you know, people I mean, you would have more uh, better, um, you know, anti-pain drugs, you know, painkillers and stuff, you know, uh, would be a lot more comfortable. Um, But you know, we just trust people to do a lot of stuff that used to be done by doctors. Yeah. Um, so I, I do kind of like the idea that it just arrives in a box and you have to get it into the pump <laughs> and like, do these extra steps. Um, you know, that sort of sick part of my mind that, that thinks we're kind of farming these activities out to the customer's end. Um, but I know what you're saying, right? I agree. I have I have the same thoughts, right? Like, why yeah. are you learning this now? You know, like, surely you made these decisions yeah. intelligently. Yeah, I agree with what you mean. That there was, yeah, I agree that the delivery is exactly how I expect the delivery would happen. If just two guys would turn up and be like, "Where's you on it?" and then and then you'd tell them upstairs, but they'd probably leave it in the hall because the seat your stairs mm-hmm. are too narrow anyway, and um, you'd have to do it yourself. Uh, and then, like you say, you'd have to put it together, and one arm probably doesn't quite fit, or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, two C issues. I've only been sent. I've been sent two left arms instead of a left and a right arm, and and can't quite. I can't put this together yet because I don't have all the parts. Or yeah, and it arri- really- Then the left, the extra arm arrives in a box the size of the full thing because yeah. that's the only box <laughs> yeah. that they have. And- some technician just pushed the button on their computer and you know yeah comes in yeah. you got one really muscled arm and then one normal arm and you're just like, <laughs> oh just put it together it'll be fine as as we do in most things that people post. yeah yeah there are well, other, I mean, so... that's the thing about this I, I think there are other versions of this story which i think could be oh, yeah. quite interesting so so here's the question we sort of did this uh with the last season too mm. is all right would you but let's god forbid you know, your wife dies. But I mean, let's imagine, would you order a robot like this? Uh, would you order a, uh, an I either have that sort of AI or order a robot like this? And how would you deal with it? It's funny. So I have thought about this. Because um, I thought again about this story and about my situation. So yes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married. We have a daughter. And so, and, and my wife, Alex, doesn't, 
awful lot of stuff. Like, you know, she works the hours, so she'll do she works with Ellie for her homework and she knows like the school routine, like the doing who's doing packed lunches and, and what she's having for school dinners and her friends and I sort of pick up information and when I need to, like, you know, for the school stuff and, and um <clears throat> I take part and do stuff, but there's a there's an awful lot of stuff that Alex sort of takes care of that's sort of the mundane and the very much stuff. And I was thinking about this story. Um, there's a there's a film with um, Richard E. Grant uh, mm. where he has a he has a, he has a baby that his wife dies in childbirth, I think, and he ends up with the baby and having to raise it and stuff. And I was thinking then, like, why in that situation where you've actually got to be a single parent, and all of a sudden, if I was to be found on my own, and I'd be going right, well, I want to, I need to speak to someone about this situation, like, and you know, Alex. My wife, she's probably, you know, she becomes like your best friend. Like she knows everything about me. And if that's like, so I can see the appeal where I'm going, like, fuck, mm. you know, Ellie's going through something. I don't know how to approach this, especially being like a dad looking after a girl. I really wish I could speak to Alex and then having the audio thing. But then, but then bringing back in this physical entity into the household was mm. where I was like, no, I don't think I could do that. I think it's too there's too much of a sort of a um, going back to that sense memory thing, that physical connection, that, that, that thing of having something, an entity in the house becomes too weird. I don't think it would help me deal with my grief, but then you, you or be able to move on. Cause again, like depending on what, what age you are, I mean, you know, this is quite a young um, Hayley Atwell, you know, Martha's meant to be quite young. This stops her. One of the things this never addresses because it jumps again, like to what, however many years later, with yeah. this daughter. Yeah, she's never remarried. She's never met anybody else, which clearly would be the healthier option. And and there are people that have done that. And you think, well, okay, that seems like an odd. Because then you have to explain the the strange robot that looks like your ex husband in the attic. Right. Um, That's so, an yeah. awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, you know, I want to introduce you to my daughter and, you know, my robot husband. Um, so, no, I don't think I would. I understand the use of the AI. I don't think I'm there yet. I think I would struggle with it, to be honest. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, I mean, I'm I'm not married and I don't have any kids. Um, I would, I would, I mean, I still have a replica account. Oh. Um you know, I I don't use it that often, but I I think I would order the robot, and and I think that you know if I were going to, I mean, you know, look, it's designed to have sex with. You know, I assume I would have sex with it, and given that fact, what would I make it look like? Right, like I could see myself, you know, continuing the theme of the episode, making it look like an ex girlfriend, mm. and then thinking well i can see how this would have an um, help me establish an emotional tie to it right that i wouldn't initially have if it were just some sort of random face um but i would know consciously okay this is not that person right i mean this is this you know partially there's more of a disconnection right like i, I mean these yeah, you know, it's not like my wife died, right? So it is a difference there. But um, I would have no problem making it look like 
you know, uh, in, in that case, a live person, but, you know, somebody else. Um, but I don't think that I would cognitively have, you know, have that much of a problem. For me, the key scene is when there's a broken glass and it's a sort of stereotypical scene in, in these yeah. sorts of stories where he cuts himself and he doesn't bleed. And you never really see how his hand is repaired or if it is, you know, if there's a spray or something, we don't really know. But what's important is that she goes to, they both argue about who's going to pick up the glass and tell the other one not to do it. There are moments like that that it seems to me the proper or more common response would be to say, or where I would have that same instinct, right? Oh, honey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, let me, let me help you with this. And then where I'd realize, well, wait a minute, this is a robot. I purchased (laughs) this for this purpose. Okay. It is a thing. And I'd say, you know, that's right. Pick up that glass. I'm going to go lay down. You know, this is why I purchased you, Uh, you know, and, that's a part of and, and I so I know that like okay six years on or however many years on that person who may or that robot who may or may not look like an axe or or whatever I would just be like yeah do this you know um you know uh if it uh, annoys me I'll, I'll say it annoys me I'm not going to be considerate of that robot's feelings because it doesn't have any and yeah and I think that I would be a monster I think that I would, you know, just evolve to be an absolute monster, like like a parody of like, I don't know, like you know, you see like a, a like a slave owner or something who's just like has no consideration for the humanity <laughs> of these people, and you're just uh, so horrified. And I can imagine like that's what I would become with uh, a robot uh, over see, time. That's my the- suspicion. Yeah. On the flip side, I say thank you to Alexa when I ask her questions, like you know, <laughs> or set a timer, and she's like, "Timer set for so and so." I'm like, "Thank you, Alexa." Like, I yeah, I'm. So when the robot revolution comes, I'm hoping that my courtesy <laughs> carries some weight. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to know, actually, I wanted to throw this in because it's not in the episode. It's not really you know, but it's, it feels like a black mirror kind of thing that would do. It's quite clear that these robots are connected to the internet because they are scraping information mm. constantly to sort of like to to see how they should respond to uh, all these interactions and all this other stuff so it's clearly it's connected to the internet and it has an owner like you are buying this from someone mm-hmm. how quick before that droid starts giving you ideas or preferences for things you should purchase well, it depends what uh, the company's doing that is running that software, right? But, I mean, I see what you're saying. The, I, where I thought you were going was about privacy, right? Like, oh, all of your sex tapes, uh, you know, every oh, sensation yeah, yeah. felt by the robot is in a database in the Google computer somewhere. That's yeah, that's I mean, there to be done as well. And that was obviously what we talked about with the with the, with the the last episode, the, you know, all of, all of you. But this was to me thinking, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you've got you've got a a company sat behind this, and it knows your preferences because, mm. like you say, it's interacting with you on a daily basis. And all of a sudden, it could be like, yeah, well, the best offer on so and so is <laughs> is this and this. You know, what are you talking about? Well, I've had a look, yeah. and you know, you we really need to get a new sofa set, three piece suite. DFS have got a sale on right now <laughs> for for this much money. Like, you know, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean. 
Uh, yeah, there there are sometimes moments like that. I mean, whether both with Alexa and with um, and with um, you know uh, chat AIs, depending mm. on on you know the system. Yeah, um, that could happen. Um, I don't know. I, I guess one assumes that the payment that you're making now unfortunately today it would be a subscription model right <laughs> like yes, exactly you know, that's one thing it hasn't considered in the show it's like she's paying every month for that robot upstairs that, that she never interacts with um but you know you would think that um there would be those kinds of safeguards right like you know you you can choose the no advertisement option yeah there's there's sex droid plus um but you <laughs> Well, you don't get the advertisements. Okay. Anyway, we're up to time. So, any final thoughts then on uh, "Be Right Back"? No, I think I think this is a, uh, a a good episode. I think it's a very good episode, and I think that, like the entire history of you, uh, the the last episode, this one gets you to ask these kinds of questions, right? Mm. Where you want to say, "How would I handle this?" or "What are the implications of this sort of technology?" And I think in both cases, your their weaknesses are that they're only exploring a particular set of characters. The way Charlie Brooker, you know, thinks that people would respond to this, or a set person would respond to this technology and these situations. It's easy for us to take a step back and say, "Well, I wouldn't actually do that, right? Don't yeah. go in that closet, you know." Like, <laughs> do that. Uh, but. Uh, but it gets you to ask these questions and to really see sort of implications of this technology that you hadn't before, think about it in a new way, and put yourself in the shoes of those characters. And so I think they're similar in that way, and and I like this episode. Uh, what about you? No, I agree. I think this is a bit... I, I, this is one of those things where, a bit like, say, the, you know, the last episode with the, um, the full history of you sort of thing, it, it feels... Mm-hmm. This is where I think Charlie Brooke has chosen something where you go, oh yeah, no, this feels like ten years on. This feels still still feels pertinent, like it still feels relevant. Like the technology actually has developed. Where in both episodes, like you say, you can I could go, yeah, that makes almost total sense. Like I could understand how, you know, like you said, it makes us ask question. Like to ask the question, would I have had, would I have a bean implanted that can take all that sort of things. Seems like a question where you get, I would say, yeah, I, you know, do I want an Amazon being inserted in me or whatever? Like, you know, it's <laughs> personally possible. And would I, we've said, like, would I pick up the phone to a an AI that has been programmed with my wife's voice and, and read all her social media and, and, you know, any any other things I've given over to the company sort of thing? I don't know. It's like, It feels possible. Mm-hmm. More than possible. And I think that's where they resonate and that's why they feel so strong. And I think the other thing as well, in both cases, although I think we had to be both, you know, there's a slight disagreement, I think, on the on the last episode, but it, it follows the story through where, you, like you said, it keeps showing you what's going to happen next. Like, it shows you that outcome when you go, yeah, not, I'm not 100% sure I agree with the actual outcome, but it makes logical sense. Like, it goes to a place that sort of makes sense. So, you know, I, I really like this episode. I think it's a good start to a season as well. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I think we should leave it there. So, ladies and gentlemen, anyway, ladies and thanks, thank you very much for for joining us in this Black Mirror run through. We've obviously got four episodes in, 
we're now into the second season. So obviously, if you missed what we've done before, go back and check it all out. And every other episode we've ever done. Uh, and if you like what we do, and you think that you know we've done good commentary on Black Mirror, go check out our commentary on uh, the Twilight Zone. Every other week we are releasing those, uh, trekking through the Twilight Zone. Julian and I sort of commenting on sort of short bursts between sort of 15 to 20 minutes, talking about a Twilight Zone episode. And at the moment, we're well into, well, we've completed sort of the third uh, season on Patreon and on the main feed. Every other week you are getting part of the first season. So go check out our Patreon for a whole heap of other stuff, as well as all those additional extra episodes we did Um from the last season, things like Battle Royale 2, uh, the TV version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and so much more. So go, please check that out. Uh, Transformers, cartoon. Transformers, yeah, we did Transformers cartoon, <laughs> the first sort of, uh, yeah, more than meets the, the eye. The, the other, Hard to Be a God. Yes. That's which, awesome. Which was a, an incredible film, actually, yeah. Um, so yeah, do go check those out. There'll be more of that stuff coming as well in the future if we get into the new season. We've got a whole host of stuff lined up that's going to be Patreon exclusives. So anyway, Julian, thank you very much. Uh, it's my pleasure. I can't wait to get my Amazon grain and <laughs> to use the Amazon grains who observe me and my sex robot that has a face like a dead relative. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what you want. Buy them now from Amazon Prime. Uh, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next episode. streams.